G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As you may be aware, the next states lining up to vote on the issue of euthanasia with a voluntary assisted dying bill is New South Wales. Similar laws have been passed in all states now except for New South Wales. In fact, the proposed voluntary assisted dying bill is having its second reading in the New South Wales Parliament tomorrow. The Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia is opposing assisted suicide and is lobbying to promote more ethical health care. For Christians, the most obvious objection comes in the form of that commandment, Thou shalt not kill. The Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia is an organisation of doctors and dentists and associated healthcare professionals who are urging all Christians to oppose the new voluntary assisted dying legislation that Independent MP Alex Greenwich is presenting to the New South Wales Parliament. Well, our special guest today is Associate Professor Megan Best, a Christian bioethicist. Megan is a research associate with the Institute for Ethics and Society and a senior lecturer in research at the University of Notre Dame, Australia and at the University of Sydney. She has a clinical background in palliative medicine and holds an appointment in the palliative care service at Royal Prince Alfred Hospital in Sydney. She is internationally known for her work in ethics from a Christian perspective, and she is part of the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia. Dr. Megan Best, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. It's lovely to be here. Uh, Megan, uh, New South Wales, the last state still standing in one sense here without euthanasia. So it's a pretty important week for the pro-life side, the anti-euthanasia side, uh, to certainly have its voice heard. Absolutely. Uh, Neil, uh, killing of patients has no place in healthcare. And I think this is a great opportunity for us to stand up and say this is not something that's inevitable. It's not something we need across the country and, and um, the, make the first step to start to reclaim some ground. Well, there are obviously some big forces driving uh, this bill, uh, voluntary assisted dying, and as I've said, uh, New South Wales, the only state still standing. This goes contrary uh, from my understanding, and I think you've got some research figures uh, that show the majority of doctors are in fact against euthanasia. They're the ones who are actually on the front line, but doctors say, hey, this is wrong. Absolutely. Doctors are not trained to kill people. I think the name of the legislation, Voluntary Assisted Dying, gives the impression that you're just helping someone on their way as they're taking their last breath. But these bills allow people who have 6 to 12 months to live to access um, the legislation. And you're not taking your last breath when you've got 12 months to live. But that's when a doctor can prescribe a poison for you to take to kill yourself 
or they can inject a poison into you directly to kill you. And um, doctors are not trained to do this kind of thing and it's against our medical ethics. And in fact, across the world, wherever these laws go through, um, there's never been, uh, there's always been calls that there aren't enough doctors to do the deed. But quite frankly, um, I don't think they should ever have been expected to do the deed. Megan, here we are in the 21st century and you are asking the question, why are we having a euthanasia introduction in Australia when we have more medical cures than ever before? Uh, That's a pretty powerful comment to be making and some people will be saying, aren't we technologically advanced to be able to make end-of-life issues comfortable for the dying? What are your thoughts here? We we have... As you say, more cures than ever before in human history. We have better treatments than ever before. But I think that those wanting um, uh, those wanting relief at the end of life um, are just uh, pushing the idea that that the end of life is necessarily involved with suffering, and and not wanting to suffer is quite a reasonable thing to want. But the thing is that we know that modern high-quality palliative care can relieve suffering, but that less than half the people in Australia who would benefit from palliative care actually have access to it. So while we do have these treatments available, um, a lot of Australians can't get access and so they don't get the benefit of that kind of treatment. And, And most doctors would say, and in fact a survey from Western Australia showed this, that we need, uh, most people would rather the government spend the money on improving access to palliative care rather than investing millions of dollars into a, um, a euthanasia program. So there's a big challenge in the idea that governments might be pushing through euthanasia legislation uh, to cover up their own inadequacy in funding palliative care. Is that the bottom line? Well, um, the Premier of Queensland publicly said that she didn't have enough money to give palliative care to everyone in Queensland, but she does have enough money to make sure that uh, euthanasia is available to everyone in Queensland. So I guess you just need to do the sums. Okay. Uh, The other thought of how people are influenced, uh, the media, uh, it goes along with the narrative that euthanasia is a good thing and... Uh, I know you are saying that the media tends to dumb down the argument and uh, so people in that sense must be fairly deceived by the media narrative. Yes, I I think that um, the media has done a great disservice in this and and many bioethical debates. The pro-life position um, is is very difficult uh, to express through mainstream media because they won't give you a hearing. And, and I think it's because um, a, a lot of people in our community want control. They're used to being in control. And uh, when they are facing death, it's very scary because many people in our community don't think about spiritual things uh, when they're quite healthy. Uh, they think about everyday things. But then when they get sick, uh, when they're approaching the end of life, suddenly big spiritual questions like, you know, what happens after I die? Um, what was my life about? Uh, you know, what's the, what's the meaning of, of my life? Um, 
And, and, and it's very scary if you haven't been thinking about these things before that. And, and you, we're all going to die. The only thing you can control about death is the timing and, and the way it occurs. So I think what we're seeing is, is a big push for autonomy or the right to choose the timing and manner of your own death. And, and, um, and to make this seem more popular in the community, the media have also inferred that without um, that, that people won't get enough pain relief when they're at the end of life, that they'll be kept alive on machines when they don't want to be kept alive. And so I think the media's made death seem like a very scary thing. But in fact, um, good palliative care can make death very peaceful. And, and we need to hear more of those good stories. And we'll develop some more thoughts around palliative care as we go in our conversation because you've just introduced something so important that palliative care isn't just about administering drugs. It's also about understanding the spirituality of dying and what comes beyond this life. We'll get into some more conversation around that. Uh, Politicians, though, uh, they're going along with a secular narrative here. It's almost like an assumption that uh, they say, oh, there is no God, so it's all right to bump people off at the beginning of life and at the end of life. So uh, the way people think is important here as to how they value life. That's right. And, And while we would hope politicians would think about ethics when they're devising their laws, it won't always, you know, it will rarely be Christian ethics that are considered. So things can be legal but not ethical for Christians. And certainly the idea that uh, every human being should be treated with dignity and care is is not something that we're seeing uh, upheld by the majority of members of parliament. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You might have your own thoughts, question, insight, even critique. For our conversation today, we're talking about euthanasia, a voluntary assisted dying bill being introduced into the New South Wales Parliament this week. New South Wales, the only state around Australia that doesn't have euthanasia laws. 1-800-316-316. Our special guest this hour is Dr. Megan Best. She's part of the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia. Uh, She is renowned around the world for her work in ethics from a Christian perspective. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. In fact, Megan, before we move on, let's take a call. Jonathan is on the line from Perth in WA. Hi, Jonathan. Welcome. Yeah, hello, Neil. You know, when I look at all what we are talking about, from the time men decided to be God, we have started doing this, all you are talking about. How on earth somebody can agree to shorten somebody's life because it is a law God gave you have the authority to do that. So it biblically, it is against God's plan. But we change everything today. So I don't know when we, we as a human being, know we are not God to make decisions on man's life. Jonathan, you make an important point here because unless we acknowledge God as creator, 
that we are made in his image and likeness, then our value uh, diminishes substantially. And then if you move God out of the equation, then man takes that position uh, of being God. Uh, Let's get a a thought or two. Uh, Dr. Megan Best, your thoughts for Jonathan? I entirely agree with what he's saying. And I I really think that... um, we, we don't think enough that by legalizing euthanasia, we're, ba- we're changing one of the most basic tenets of our, of our civilization, that we don't kill each other. This is something that's been upheld in Christian and, and uh, communities around the world um, uh, for generations. Um, for, in the Australian community, you know, our, our laws are based on the Ten Commandments. So when when we start to think that it is okay for one group of people to kill another group of people, that's a huge shift in, in our social values, and I don't think it's being taken seriously enough. Jonathan in Perth, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on one 316 316 Megan, let's talk about some of the points that are in the bill Uh, There's some detail that's come from the Australian Christian Lobby who have uh, made a wonderful dot-point analysis of some of the things that are in the bill that Christians ought to be uh, under this idea of alarm bells should be ringing. They're suggesting that assisted suicide can be suggested by medical practitioners. That, I think, was also in the Queensland legislation. Uh, The idea that doctors might encourage patients into a conversation about ending their life. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's completely unethical. There's such a power imbalance between doctors and patients that many patients think they should do what a doctor recommends, regardless of their own belief system. Uh, and, and it's as if a doctor's prescribing uh, euthanasia when when they bring it up saying oh well we don't have any more chemotherapy for you but have you thought about euthanasia I, I think that is absolutely appalling and it's uh, just one of many um, problems with this bill that there's so few there's virtually no safeguards that vulnerable people um, um, won't will be we're really worried that vulnerable people are at risk of being killed when it's not what they really want and and I think a doctor suggesting it's the best way to go is is certainly right up there in terms of things that are dangerous. Megan, what used to happen, and now we're so far down the track, uh, New South Wales last state standing, what used to happen? when a patient would present to a doctor and suggest that they were suicidal? Well, it's a red flag for doctors. If someone says, I I wish I was dead, you know, I want someone to kill me, I want to kill myself, we would uh, get uh, an emergency psychiatric consult and, and we would do everything we could do to protect them from themselves. And, and that's another danger of all these bills around the country is that it's seriously going to undermine our suicide prevention strategy. Because if the government says, look, we're going to pay for you to kill yourself, what message is that going to send to our young people who already have a higher suicide rate than we would like? It's all the wrong message. Let's take some calls and... Uh 
1-800-316-316. Let's take some calls. Brett is in WA. Hello, Brett. Welcome. Yeah, Neil. I'm just wondering, um, is this topic a bit, a bit hypocritical when we go back to the roots of the problem in that um, the death is for the benefit of either people around them or people themselves is what the projection is on this measure. And if we go back to abortion is the same issue, and then we go back to using these particular um, aborted fetus cell lines for vaccines and the, and the okaying of that in a Christian community, isn't that saying that we actually support what's going on? Uh, you make a, a significant point, Brett, and we won't get into a vaccine conversation, but uh, I will refer to an earlier conversation with Dr. Megan Best where she addressed that whole moral connection to the aborted fetus that you're referring to in the COVID debate. Uh, but so far as, you know, uh, the way you might keep from being hypocritical in the stance that you take on these things, Megan, any thoughts here for Brett? I think there are serious concerns that Brett uh, have, has raised here. And if, um, uh, if we look at what's happening around the world with euthanasia legislation, um, sometimes you have to wonder, is it really people being concerned about the suffering of the patient or are they worried about their own suffering as they look at someone who is dying? And I think we have to be very careful as Christians to make sure that in the case of suffering, we, we, um, we don't uh, try to end the suffering by killing the patient, by killing the sufferer, which is what these bills are doing. And I think that it's important that Christians... Um, write to their local parliamentarians and ask them to vote against these bills. That's very important. Brett, thank you so want, much. Yep. Yeah, uh, but also that that they let their their parliamentarians know we want hospitals where we're not at risk of someone suggesting this to us. Um, at the moment, there's no conscientious objection for individuals or institutions um, in most states. Well, that is a threat in itself that if we yeah. suffer a medical condition or we're growing old, uh, that the doctor may well suggest that we commit suicide. Uh, we're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from John in Wangaratta in Victoria. Hi, John. Uh, good morning. Uh, look, I'd like to raise the issue that um, everyone in the debates that I've heard is only looking at it from the atheist point of view that um, uh, life ends at death and there's nothing afterwards and there's never any suggestion that um, uh, of a life after death and and as we know, as Christians know the judgment and I particularly see um, that God uses suffering uh, of people in their last days um, to turn to Him because they reach a stage where they um, they lost complete control of themselves and um, they can turn to him, but by um, taking uh, euthanasia, um, pe- people are being robbed of the uh, of the choice of, of meeting Jesus before they 
uh, before they die. That's very good point, John. A response from Megan. Well, you, I immediately thought of a podcast by one group that supports euthanasia, which is called Better Off Dead. But um, I, when I hear that, I feel like saying, well, how can you be sure that you're better off dead? How can you be sure that you are better off dead? I've got to tell you that 24 hours a day, seven days a week on this very radio station, there is evidence, testimony, and all of those good things that would help us to understand the presence of God and that he has an eternal future for us. One of those things that's important, Megan, when someone is even thinking about suicide is that that's always been a cry for help. Uh, is that being ignored right now? Uh, Neil, I think this is a very important point that our research um, in uh, areas where people are approaching the end of life show that when someone raises the, the idea of euthanasia or, or says, I, I, I want to hasten my death, um, it, it should be treated as a psychiatric emergency. But, but I think... We, we need to realise that if someone's saying, you know, I, I think I wish I was dead, uh, that's expressing great distress. And the first approach to someone who says, um, you know, uh, can I access euthanasia or, or assisted dying should be, what's wrong? Can I help you? And uh, I uh, we know from the places... Uh, where, you know, you have voluntary assisted dying. Um, if someone says, oh, you know, uh, I, I wish I was dead, someone might say, well, let me refer you to the voluntary assisted dying coordinator. So I think that's a big risk. But we know in palliative care that the distress behind those requests can often be addressed. And we know from the places where euthanasia is legal that the reason people make that request is not very often due to things like pain. It's usually because of psycho-spiritual issues, uh, fear of being a burden, fear of being left uh, alone, uh, a fear of, of being unable to cope or, or needing to depend on other people. And in palliative care, we are able to provide not just physical care, but also spiritual care. And that's what many people need uh, uh, as they're facing death. And so I think that it's a much more compassionate response to that cry for help to say, how can we help you? What's wrong? Uh, than to say, well, let me organize a sister dying. And as Christians, I think if we're known as the ones who don't kill their elderly, we don't kill our dying, um, if that's how Christians are known, I think that will be a great thing. And I think a lot of people who don't even ascribe to Christianity, when they hear the sort of reasoning that you're able to present so wonderfully, Megan, uh, they'd be saying, I'd like to be on that side too. Uh, 1-800-316-316. To join in our conversation, let's take some more calls. Sue is in Rockhampton. Hi, Sue. Welcome. How are you? Very well. Sue, what are your thoughts? Um, I just want to thank you. Uh, thank her for the work she does with palliative care. Um, we don't really know enough about it here in Australia, I don't think. Um, my sister died oh, over 10 years ago, but she was in Auckland and she had the most... She was in a, a beautiful hospice 
there. It was on the back of the gardens and I always got the feeling from her that they celebrated life, which is something, you know, they all knew they were dying. Um, they all had, she had motor neuron. Um, but, yeah, it was, it's something we don't really think about, I think, in Australia very much and we definitely don't have enough palliative care. It's always associated with hospitals and stuff. And those who are in palliative care work, we don't celebrate them enough. Uh, no. Megan, your thoughts for Sue? I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, we used to say in palliative care, we help you live until you die. We, we help you to be the very best you can uh, and support you to do the things that are important to you as long as you're alive. And I think that that is uh, such a wonderful attitude to have rather than, than cutting life short prematurely. Sue, thank you so much for your call. Megan, let me ask you here, the people who are drawn to uh, pursuing palliative care as a specialised way of their medical life, uh, is there a tendency that there is a spirituality to people who are in, that, uh, in, in the business of palliative care? Yes, I, I don't think it's 100%, but um, spirituality has always been part of palliative care since its uh, inception in the 1960s. And, and you will always find spiritual support, someone like a chaplain on the palliative care team, which, um, which means that, that all palliative care patients will have access to spiritual support. And before I take another call, the idea of, you know, deathbed conversions, uh, uh, those things happen in your uh, understanding about uh, how palliative care works and this spirituality. People, as you say, at this most vulnerable time of their life, they're interested in spiritual things. Uh, yes, uh, we do find that um, many people are distracted from spiritual things when you know you, you're working full time and you're raising a family and, and whatever else is going on. But as you become sick, spiritual issues we know become more important. And as you approach the end of life, they become more important still. And I think that um, my own father actually became a Christian at the end of his life after he'd been diagnosed with cancer. Uh, it definitely happens. Uh, and, and I think that um, as Christians, we understand the significance of that. Let's take another call. Carol is in New South Wales. Hi, Carol. Welcome. Yes. Hello. God bless you. And thank you, for, uh, Professor Best, for, for speaking like this and um, giving people hope in their final outcome of life. And I, I have, uh, my husband died in uh, 1989. Now, you can't do this today, but he was a wonderful Christian man, and I a Christian, and um, he was dying uh, for quite many years, and he was in a, the Sacred Heart Hospice there in Sydney, and I was with him there every day, and many people, uh, they'd sent their, their, I remember a, a lady who was dying, she just uh, was in a bad way looking, but she was comfortable. Her two beautiful daughters came to my husband's room, and they asked me to come. They said, my mother said, who's that angel that walks past each day? 
our, 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 our door. I want her to come to me. She was Jewish. And I went and I, I sat beside her bed and she asked me and spoke to me. Now she gave her heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and she ended up dying uh, in the afternoon. And she did look very skeleton-like. She was sick, but she was comfortable. And I, I had got over 20-odd deathbeds times that I I have been called beside people that have been dying and they've come to the Lord. My own mother, the night before she died, screamed in terror, holding my arm and saying, pray for me, Carol, pray for me. And then my mother passed the next morning and there are a lot of people that need this time uh, to to be challenged and to accept the Lord. Wonderful stuff, Carol. Uh, a thought or two from Megan. Yes, you you make me uh, sort of uh, remind me to say that uh, we've we've just had the Royal Commission on Aged Care and about the abuses of of elderly people in our community, and that's one area where palliative care really has trouble um, uh, getting in through the door. And and uh, you know what comfort would it give to to elderly people in aged care? often quite isolated, if they could have that spiritual support at the end of life. I think um, this need for more palliative care is so important. But, you know, what an encouragement that story was. It just made, gave me goosebumps to hear stories like that. Wonderful, Carol. Thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Let's keep taking some calls. Sterling is in Ararat in Victoria. Hello, Sterling. Hi, Neil. Look, I, I just want to first say, you know, marriage equality, uh, abortion, now euthanasia, Australia is on the wrong road and they are going too fast on that road. We are becoming completely anti-scriptural and enshrining in legislation. I want to ask Megan a question which is twofold. Firstly, if a person, while they're still mentally capable and physically capable, if they put in their will that under no circumstance are they to be, you know, um, assisted in dying, they are to just be left to die naturally, would that be legally binding? And secondly, if someone defies that, are they liable for criminal charges like murder or even manslaughter? Sterling, good question about how you could protect yourself uh, in your younger years when you make your will about what might happen when you're older. A thought or two here for Sterling, Megan? Uh, the the document where we put our, um, our wishes for our care at the end of life is actually called an advanced care directive rather than the will. Um and at the moment, you would not be able to put uh, a request for euthanasia uh, in your in your advanced care directive under Australian law. And if, um, however, they're not legally binding in all states. Having said that, at the moment, I think if if a doctor um, gives any uh, intervention to a patient um, against which they haven't agreed to. Um, they are liable for prosecution. But we do know in the places uh, where euthanasia is legal, like Holland, that doctors have uh, given euthanasia to people who didn't want it and that they have um, the doctors haven't been prosecuted. Uh, I think the problem is that once the community gets this idea that there are some lives that aren't worth living, 
doctors can start to decide for themselves which lives are worth living and which ones aren't. And that's one of the risks of these legislation is that those who are vulnerable, the disabled, the elderly, the sick, um, other people might take it upon themselves to, to think this person is better off dead. And, and that's one of the dangers we want to prevent. I think it's so important we have institutions where people don't have this risk. All right. Well, uh, that's great. Thank you so much for that call. Let's take another call straight away. Dave is in Ballina, New South Wales. Hi, Dave. Hi, Neil and uh, Megan. Thank you for the opportunity to input on this subject. I'm a, a, a AIN, that's assistant in nursing, and been that for about 15 years. Um, I'm retired now. My wife's been a, an RN all her life, so I've witnessed plenty of people at the end of end of their life. And I've seen a slippery slope for a number of years where the, the value of human life has been diminished. And one of the things I used to enjoy most uh, in my time was sitting with the old guys and talking about their contribution to society and making them feel like they had some worth. Because basically what's happening now, people are being, their worth has been diminished and they're making them feel like they're taking up space and having to make that decision. Now, the other two-pronged thing with this, as someone who has a gift for caring for people, and as we all know, we all have gifts in life, we're being robbed of that ability to actually use that gift to give some some quality end of life. And that's what I wanted to say. Dave, good insight there. Megan, thoughts for Dave? Yes, I quite agree that um, that we are devaluing the elderly in our community. And and uh, that's, um, that's, I think that's a, a great pity. I think that we lose out um, as much as, you know, as the older people themselves. Uh, I, I, I am concerned that we, we can make elderly people or sick people feel they're being a burden. Um, and, uh, and if someone feels they're a burden on their family, are they going to request euthanasia, even if it's not what they really want, just to, to relieve their family? Um, and, and that's uh, another real worry. We're actually seeing that happening in Victoria already under their laws, that elderly people think, you know, it's too much work for my family. Even if family doesn't think this, the older person might say, I'm just a burden. They'd be better off if, if I had a sister dying and they didn't have to worry about me anymore. Dave, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Marg is in Queensland. Hello, Marg. Welcome. Hi. 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 Um, I, I've just got a question. I actually support voluntary assisted dying. I'm a Christian. Um, I think, and I have been in the health profession working um, and now retired, but for someone that has had chronic pain for many, many, many years, has done a lot of work with people that have that are in nursing homes, I think we have now with modern medicine the opportunity to support, to extend life. So why can't an individual choose um, death if, if okay, if they have chronic pain and they have, um, you know, that, that like they've extended their life, so why can't they choose to actually shorten it by, you know? 
Marg, let's get a thought or two from Megan. Megan, what are your thoughts here for Marg? Uh, mentally competent adults in Australia do have the right to refuse life-prolonging treatment. And I think that uh, it would be good if we saw more of that, people not um, keep using treatment prolonging their life when their quality of life is poor. But I think we have to accept that voluntary assisted dying is either a doctor killing a patient or helping a patient to kill themselves. And I think this is a radical change in the foundation of our society. It is not the role of doctors to kill their patient. It is not the role of nurses to kill a patient. And I think it is against the Ten Commandments. Mark, thank you so much for your call. Uh, just to uh, just to tease out some things here, because there is some confusion around end of life and what doctors do, uh, the discontinuance of medications that try to extend a life. There, For some people, this is like a grey area, understanding what happens at the end of life. I wonder whether you've got a, a little insight here that uh, helps clarify some of those things. Well, at the as people um, develop advanced disease, uh, sometimes uh, treatments that uh, were aimed at curing the person either stop working, they, they become futile, or the burden of side effects, you know, such as vomiting from chemotherapy, may become so great that the the any benefit from the treatment, um, such as prolonged life, may be outweighed by these problems. And in that case, uh, it is possible that the treatment is not so much prolonging life as prolonging the process of dying. And in that situation. It is quite ethical to either not start that sort of treatment or to stop it. And the reason it's ethical is that it's it's not euthanasia because we're not killing the patient. We're just allowing the underlying disease to run its course and allowing the person to die naturally. And in the same way, taking someone off life support is not euthanasia because it's not flicking the switch that makes the person die. It's the underlying disease that leads to the person's death. That's why they were on life support in the first place. So uh, stopping these sorts of treatments is quite ethical for a Christian and it's not euthanasia. And so, Can I just add, another thing we do in in, uh, medicine, particularly in palliative care, is we can use large doses of pain relief Um, for people at the end of life if that's what they need and there's um, confusion in the community that that's a type of euthanasia because many people think that morphine shortens the life of the patient but in fact the doses we use to control pain therapeutic doses of morphine do not shorten the life of the patient. So even when we give people lots of medication at the end of life to control their symptoms, it's not euthanasia. What we're doing is uh, relieving the suffering. We're not um, trying to kill the patient. Uh, Megan, so much to talk about, and time is now running short. 
I do want to give some attention to where listeners might be able to get some more detail about a Christian position when it comes to this issue of euthanasia. Uh, New South Wales, uh, the last state standing, and uh, there'll be all sorts of prayers uh, for wisdom for those politicians who'll be voting on a euthanasia bill into the very short uh, coming times. But the uh, Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia, they have the Luke's Journal. Uh, There's all sorts of issues I noted in Luke's journal around dying more than just uh, this euthanasia issue and doctors clearly considering uh, very deeply uh, issues around dying but Luke's journal is that a good place for people to start uh, to get some detail about how you might think about these sorts of issues? Luke's journal is one place and it certainly has information uh, not just about assisted dying but also about ways to die well Uh, but what place where we do have a lot of resources about euthanasia and assisted dying is the website. Uh, So if you go to um, uh, cmdfa.org.au, you will find documents and videos talking about euthanasia, explaining what's involved. And, and And lastly, I think it would be wonderful if people in New South Wales could contact their local members of parliament and ask them to vote against this this bill because it really is a great um a great danger to the vulnerable people in our community and for those who want a concise response on a Christian position on euthanasia. I might just point to the fact that, uh, Megan, there is a video presentation uh, when people go to the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia website, cmdfa.org.au, and you're bringing a very level-headed quiet but certainly assertive uh, position there on the issue of euthanasia from that Christian perspective. And so, and I might say I I watched that uh, yesterday afternoon and uh, it's very impressive. And so to point listeners to that, you'll find that video presentation uh, with Dr. Megan Best, cmdfa.org.au. Megan, just wonderful getting your insights. I want to thank you so much for taking some time to share them to with listeners today on 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. God bless. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.